This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. That's right. Hour two of the show comes your way here from 93.7 Ticket, theticketfm.com, and the Sarder Heyman Jewelers live video streams, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you uh, drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, notifications, all that good stuff. It's all free to you. You don't have to pay, but uh, what do you get? It's a big benefit. You get to know when every one of our shows goes live. You get all the content uh, you need from your favorite 93.7 The Ticket hosts and personalities. Husker-related, uh, national sports-related, doesn't matter. We've got you covered. And, hey, we're all local right here in Lincoln, except for Strick, who's uh, sailing the high seas right now. But uh, he's here in studio most of the time. Also, local, always for you, Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. Big shout-out to Charles and his gang down there at 27th and Pine Lake here in Lincoln. Make sure you stop by. Uh, he'll fix you a plate and tell him the block sent you, Austin and Strick. 402-464-5685. Uh, plenty to get to here this hour. Um, Big Ten athletic directors and schools have a lot of money. They do. How do they need to spend that money? Should they be spending that money? Do they need to to compete at the highest level? We'll dive into that. Uh, Lamar Jackson says he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this was a few weeks ago, but just really became public today. Who's at fault? Is there anyone at fault for the way this situation has played out? Is it on Lamar? Is it on the Ravens? Is it on the coaching staff? Or is it just the price of doing business with a, a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's uh capabilities and his stature and we'll also talk to uh, Brian Munson of Husker online at the bottom of the hour fantastic recruiting weekend uh, here in Lincoln a large number of four and five star prospects in town Uh, we'll get the lowdown from Brian who are some of the big names on offense who are some of the big names on defense was Nebraska able to make any headway at all with any of these guys we know the headliner of course Dylan Raiola plenty of guys in town to to see him, to be uh, around him, to, to pick his brain, really, about what he's thinking, where he's going to go, what it would be like to, to play with him. Uh, again, a, a huge number uh, of big-time prospects on both sides of the ball uh, descended on Lincoln. Some of them were even at the baseball game on, on Friday. A big thanks to, uh, again, Darren Erstad for joining us on the show on Friday. Darren Erstad, one of the three Huskers who had his jersey number retired, alongside uh, Shane Comineau and uh, Lincoln's own. Alex Gordon. So again, a big congrats to those guys. If you missed that conversation with Darren Erstad, that is up on the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, wherever you like to listen to that, uh, Spotify, you know, Apple, all sorts of podcast platforms. Again, you get plat- you get podcasts there. You can find that conversation with Darren Erstad. They're pretty timeless. We did ask him a little bit about uh, the ceremony and what it means, but also his journey to Nebraska. How did he get there? Um, did he consider going pro when he was drafted out of high school? What was it like, you know, being a pro? What was it like being the head coach at Nebraska? When did he know it was time to step away? And, and again, going going into the Hall of Fame, or I guess getting his jersey retired at Nebraska uh, alongside 
two other legends in Komine and Gordon. Very successful weekend for Husker baseball. They take two out of three, uh, win the first two in, in pretty secure fashion, drop the third one. Illinois uh, gets out to a pretty big lead. Nebraska does cut into it. Uh, Max Anderson, Gabe Swanson, both homer a couple times for the Huskers. Uh, they do not get the series sweep, a 10-7 loss yesterday, but uh, they do win the first two games of the series. Uh, good open to Big Ten play. Again, an 8-4 win on Friday with the jersey retirement and the numbers going up on the wall. An 8-3 win on Saturday for the Huskers over the Illini, and then a 10-7 loss. Nebraska's still looking for a third starter, really. Any consistency, any dependability they can get out of that pitching staff uh, come come Sundays. They've been pretty good on Friday and Saturday. Sunday's been an issue and midweek has been an issue. So we'll have to see if Nebraska can find a third starter for the weekend, find some some bullpen help as well. Uh, but a good weekend for Husker softball. I think Rico's in there. Rico, can you hear me? Rico, pull the mic around. I'm going to ask you about Husker softball. Okay, Rico's going to close the door. A good weekend for softball. Rico was out there uh, live tweeting some softball. Successful weekend against Purdue. Yeah, I was learning how to live tweet uh, bat and ball sports, so that was fun. Uh, yeah, a, a nice little sweep against Purdue. Um, first game, Courtney Wallace started, um, kind of got roughed up a bit. They allowed a bunch of runs, uh, still came away with the victory uh, via a, I believe that was the game. They, they had three pretty close games. I believe the first game was the one where um, Brooke Andrews kind of recreated her magic and hit a three-run bomb in the sixth inning down by one to give Nebraska the win. Um, pretty light work on Saturday. Courtney Wallace back in the circle, took care of business. And then this last one, they started Sarah Harness. Um, she went about three and two-thirds innings. She only gave up two runs. Um, I thought she was doing pretty well. Uh, Ronda Ravel decided to pull her. Uh, Courtney Wallace goes back into the circle, finishes it out, gets the win, uh, and Nebraska wins 4-2. to two. Uh, Maya Felder, though, they scored, so they scored three runs in the first three innings. They scored one run in Ooh. each inning in the first three innings. Maya Felder hits a solo shot, I believe hers was in the third inning, that cleared both left field fences. Oh, flex on him. And landed in the parking lot. Uh, outside of Bolin, uh, just put all kinds of muscle into it. Uh, beautiful catch out in cent center field by uh, Brooke Andrews, saved a run more than likely. Uh, nice snow cone catch in right field, um, allowed a run in the second from Purdue, um, but for the most part kept the base runners to a minimum, and when they did get them on, Nebraska did a really good job of um, – not only they didn't get a lot of strikeouts, but they did a really good job of just limiting them, not allowing them to advance all that much. Uh, the sixth inning, they had two runners on. No, they had one runner on, and each time they got the out at second base. Each time, three go. ground outs, the outer, the the runner out at second base. Each time, no double plays, just the out at second base. Uh, great outing for Nebraska softball. They have a double header coming against Iowa middle of the week tomorrow, um, and then. Uh, back home, this, so that one's away. That one's going to be in mm -hmm. Iowa City. And then back home for a three-game set against Michigan, who is a fantastic softball team in their own right. Team and program. Michigan's always been around there. Stay tuned. Follow Rico on Twitter for more softball updates. I'll do my best. Again, I'm learning on the job. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Appreciate you, Rico, for that. All right, Strick, we're, we're talking about Big Ten teams. And this can be for, for really any sport. Uh, the Big Ten teams are getting paid an average of $49 million per year. It's a lot of money 
go, going off. Um, you know, for, for these Big Ten schools, because of the media rights, because of their participation in, uh, you know, postseason tournaments and whatnot. And you say $50 million, that's a lot. Maybe it's just me, but I don't know if we always see all the fruits of that and where that goes. I know they have operating budgets. They have plenty of people they have to pay. But, but Strick, I'd like to see more of a breakdown of how much of that money per year gets put back into these programs in terms of upping their budget on a year-to-year basis, in terms of adding help in recruiting, in terms of making just even little upgrades to facilities if you don't have the ability or the space or the time to, to build a whole new building. But can, can you modernize uh, you know, the facilities that you do have? Can you, within the scope of the rules, make travel easier or more consistent for your coaches in recruiting? Basically, what does it take for the Big Ten to succeed in the postseason? We know the Big Ten's reputation in football. It's a tough league, beat everyone up. Uh, it's up there with the SEC. We know the Big Ten's reputation in basketball. Um, you know, great regular season league, uh, had competition basically down to the wire. I know Purdue finished, you know, a couple games clear of Northwestern in second, but you didn't have the second place finisher in the basketball conference on the men's side decided until the final night. You have a lot of teams up there in that, you know, nine to 13 win range, making every night meaningful. But again, Strick, what we see time and time again with the Big Ten is these teams ultimately falling short in the postseason. You know, Ohio State has Georgia on the ropes, but the dogs make a comeback. Um, You get one team out of the opening weekend in the men's basketball tournament, and that's Michigan State. Um, Indiana, Maryland, Penn State win games, but it's just one. That's really all that you have going for you in the men's tournament. Uh, Begrudging shout-out to Iowa on the women's side. Caitlin Clark went off making a Final Four. But, but Strick, this is something that I think – um, Big Ten schools, the Big Ten conference needs to take a look at is what's the point of making all that money if you're not going to spend it and improve your product, if you're not going to use that money to compete right. for championships? Because, yes, it's good to have money you know, in the bank, stockpiled, ready to go in case you have something like the COVID pandemic where you lose a lot of money. But I think most schools are past that in a good enough position. And especially when you add USC and UCLA, and that $50 million goes up to $60, $75, we've heard rumor $100 million per year per school, you've got to see some investment of that money into facilities, into student-athletes in some way, at least to prove to me that you're willing to put in the funds, the resources it takes to compete on a national level in the postseason. Well, that's what you have. I mean, you, you you think about what Notre Dame is doing right now, right? Notre Dame is kind of trying to get ahead of this, um, you know, these adjustments, some of these changes that are going to be made, right? We have to, uh, in the Big Ten, look at whether or not USC and US, UCLA, they had a great run, um, you know, obviously representing the Pac-12 right now, but they're going to they're gonna enter themselves in and become part of the uh, the Big Ten family soon. So, you have to kind of weigh out where that money and that and those expenditures are going to go to and for what what uh, what you're going to be able to get out of it. Let's be real about it. Uh, Miami's got great NIL money out of the life wallets uh, billionaire mm-hmm. and he's getting a return on his investment. So you obviously know that if there's some some, you know, some some of your financial 
uh, fiduciary duties go to certain areas to really help to make and put out a better product, that there is a possibility of getting a great return on it. Miami is definitely seeing mm-hmm. the fruits of that um, uh, of that return. So uh, I, I think it's a ne- it's a necessity whether or not the Big Ten can be, uh, can can weigh in on where and how uh, people go about doing that. You obviously see that Nebraska football is trying to put uh, some new uh, uh, pieces in on the football side of things. Um, they still don't kind of have a a feeling for basketball, but they're doing a great job in volleyball. Uh, I think they still need to raise their level in, 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 in basketball a little bit mm-hmm. uh, to get in the mix. But yes, the big 10, I, I saw it, man. I, I didn't have any of them. I'm very, uh, I said the two teams that I kind of liked in it. I, I just like the toughness of Indiana uh, kind of showed, but didn't really come through because guard play outplayed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the tournament, uh, then you know Michigan State, great guard play, Hogar and 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 Walker, those guys are are beasts, and they were there, they were right there in the mix, just kind of ran up against the you know uh, Kansas State juggernaut at at that point that was playing absolutely well, and when you have guys like Noel throwing in you know coming off screens, twisting angles in the midst of doing that, and just tosses one and it goes in and he banks another one in, it's just that guy's night. It's just. Hey, right, there's nothing right. you can do about that. That's just that's just their night. And um, uh, that's what's unfortunate. And I just don't know where the Big Ten goes from here. I really don't. That's why I wanted to have the, the money conversation here. Does it does more money solve the issue? Does getting more help in, you know, in terms of recruiting staffers for basketball solve the issue? Do Big Ten teams across the board need better facilities to attract better results? Does the Big Ten need to, you know, pay schools need to pay to send their coaches to symposiums to get, you know, better ideas from other coaches to try to steal some stuff, maybe modernize the style of play? I don't know. But with as much money as all of these schools have, there's no reason it should continue to fall flat on its face in the postseason, regardless of the sport. I mean, volleyball has done pretty well. Invest more in that. Keep going as the volleyball league. You've had Ohio State and Michigan in the playoff, Ohio State before, now the last couple of years it's been Michigan. What can you invest as those schools to get over the hump? What does it take? Again, more recruiting, better facilities. Um, can you invest in better nutrition? Does that go a long way? I don't know. But if the Big Ten wants to keep its reputation and really earn the paycheck that it's getting from you know these media deals, and even, again, increase that revenue because the more games you play in the tournaments, the bigger payout you get – you want to keep that going, you have to find a way to get out of the first weekend, out of the first round of the playoff, especially once it expands to 12 teams. Again, the more you play, the more money. It just strikes me as something that if you spend a little bit more money, you could get a lot more return on investment and really honestly, truly keep pace with the SEC in the postseason conversation, not just the regular season. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, what right now in your um, just just as you're thinking about this or have thought about this, what are the top conferences right now that you would consider in basketball? Because when you just look at what's going on right now, um, the ones that you would have considered to be top conferences that got probably the most people in, which is the uh, Big 12 and Big Big 10. They got both, I think, got eight, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Right. I think so. 
they don't have any representation and you know big 12 big 12 kind of came through you know they kind of came through they had texas on the verge uh kansas tried to make a you know a little run k-state was right there about breaking so they they you know for the most part they kind of they kind of you know took advantage of it big 10 didn't and hasn't Um, for a long time would you consider and hasn't for a long time been very mediocre when it comes tournament time so uh, obviously the ACC kind of came through with Miami. That, 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 I mean, that's, that's, that's not your usuals, uh, your Dukes, your North Carolina, so forth. Your maybe even your, your Virginias and stuff like that. Yeah. That'll pop their head out there, uh, every now and then. So where, 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 who would you consider it to be? Oh yeah. It's and Sutter Hammond text line. I want to know it, as you've watched this basketball season, to you, who do you feel 402-464-5685 is actually the, the, the team or the conferences? Give me your top three. Your top three conferences outside of uh, – even if you think the Big Ten is still that. I, I want to know. I want to know what your top three conferences in watching right now because it's not playing out the way that most people would have thought. Yeah, it's the Big 12 and the Big East in my head for sure as the top two right now. And then it's probably between the SEC and the Big Ten – the bottom of the SEC is pretty bad. I don't think Minnesota or Ohio State will be as bad as they were this year. Next year, I don't think Northwestern will be as good next year as they were this year. Nebraska, you're still wait and see. Penn State, still wait and see. Um, I guess right now, though, Strick, I'd have to give the nod to the SEC as that third conference because they've gotten teams in the postseason. They've gone further. The regular season is just as much of a grind. And here's the other thing. SEC dudes are going to the league at a higher rate than Big Ten guys are and having more success more consistently. I, I'd probably give the nod to the SEC. And here's the thing. The, the Big East is a basketball-focused league. That's why it's there. It's exceeding at its thing. Good job. Congratulations. The Big 12, I think, is about to be a basketball league, especially when Oklahoma and Texas head to the SEC. They'll have solid football teams, but I still think that's going to be a basketball-focused conference with a, a few strong teams in football. The Big Ten's, you know, oh, tough regular season excuse doesn't hold really any water at all to me because you're seeing the same thing in the SEC. You're seeing the same thing in the Big 12, the Big East. Even the ACC, I mean, you get down to teams 11 and below, it's pretty bad, but the top 10 in the ACC can run with anyone in the top 10 in any of those leagues, I would say, if you break them up by tiers. So at some point, the Big Ten has to get over the the regular season conference kind of stigma that's attached to it yeah i agree and i i actually i think the big east uh the big big east is well represented and no and so what are they doing like what is the blueprint what is the big east doing um because there's top tier talent there but at the same time there's a lot of kind of undercover type of surprise stories that come out of there guys transferring in so forth and so on that were unsung wherever they were and they come out and then they just start to make and and they're just hardened it just seems to me that the the big east is hardened like they're you know they're rock solid um I, i i think when i look at big east basketball they're very fundamental it's like they play a great style of basketball that when it comes time to win games uh secure games uh, get into games, fight through hardships. The fundamentalness of that of, of most of the teams that I've seen uh, play in that 
in that conference is is what kind of seems to get them through and um just kind of the lackluster the free will i mean i think we saw that in ucla i mean um ucla probably should have won that game i i you know the way that they were playing they had it uh i think they just wore out they had they got a little tired didn't have the depth and they were trying to play a style of basketball that just wasn't conducive for them to be able to you know uh throughout the whole the whole 40 minutes of that game to be able to sustain it, you know, playing high level defense, you know, rebounding, running, and then trying to finish on the other end and then having to work. Yeah. You know, they just got tired. They got wore out and they just ended up getting beat. So yeah, I I think the PAC 10 is probably one of the weakest power teams uh, conferences for me, especially with the uh, departure of USC and and UCLA, that's going to even make it worse. I still, I still think Arizona's fraudulent. (laughs) Oregon hasn't really stepped up and, and, and been anything significant in, in some time. Can they get back to their, uh, their glory days? Um, I don't know, but San Diego state, man, that that's an interesting team. They, they just, they solid. I, I was impressed. I just really was impressed just by all these teams. FAU just impressed. They, these guys don't give a dang about who you are, how many stars you had, where you played and what high school you went. They don't give a, Gosh darn about that. They're like trying to beat the brakes off of you, and I love it, man. I've, I've been enjoying this tournament. Absolutely. He's Eric Strickland. I'm Austin Norman. We're going to talk Husker football next. Brian Munson of Husker Online breaks down a huge recruiting weekend. What do you see? What do you hear? Who was here? Uh, what are the takeaways for Nebraska football after that? We'll talk to Brian after this.